Welcome back to the Aerospace and Defense Technology Podcast. My name is Woodrow Bellamy III. I'm a senior editor with SAE Media Group. This is the second episode of the first season of the podcast, all focused on counter UAS or counter unmanned aircraft system technologies. Recently, I came across an interesting article published by the Council on Foreign Relations. It was titled, How the Drone War in Ukraine is Transforming Conflict. I think the article did a great job of discussing how the Russia-Ukraine war is driving innovation and autonomous warfare that has not been seen in other battlefields or conflict. The article does a great job outlining how the use of small, inexpensive drones are being modified with makeshift explosives and flown to strike fixed targets at relatively low cost. The most interesting statistic I'll share from the article here is how the Ukrainians have, quote, repurposed significant aspects of their domestic economy to support the new drone supply chain, increasing their drone-making capabilities through public-private partnerships. One year ago, Ukraine had seven domestic drone manufacturers, and it now has at least 80. I encourage you to check that article out if you want a better understanding of how the Russia-Ukraine war is changing the way small drones are being used in warfare. Again, that was published by the Council on Foreign Relations in January. The guest on this episode is Michael O'Hara. He is a senior manager for short-range air defense and counter-uncrewed aerial systems for the Combat Systems and Mission Readiness Division of Northrop Grumman's Defense Systems Sector. We actually divided this interview with Mr. O'Hara into two sections. In this first part of the interview, he'll talk about how Northrop Grumman first started providing counter-UAS technology, how that technology has evolved and how it continues to evolve in response to the use of small, inexpensive drones in Ukraine and other modern conflicts. So let's get into the first part of our interview with Michael O'Hara of Northrop Grumman. So, Michael, can you start by just giving an introduction to your role with Northrop Grumman and how you first became involved in the counter-UAS space? Uh, Sure. So, uh, I've been working for Northrop Grumman uh, almost 25 years and uh, started with Northrop Grumman in uh, missile development, where uh, we we built the uh, uh, Lockheed, with Lockheed joint venture called Longbow LLC, the uh, Longbow Missile and uh, other interceptors with Northrop Grumman. And from there, I got into more of a C2 perspective in which I looked at uh, and worked on the GMD program as a program manager. That gave me the, the some background into the complexities of intercepting, um, you know, very small, in that case, fast moving objects. And so as I, as I progressed on there, uh, on my career path, I started looking at uh, other opportunities. And in 2011, I got approached uh, by my uh, director to look at the uh, complexity of a a counter UAS, counter RAM interceptor because of my missile background. So I took on the lead role and and worked with the government uh, on coming up with um, a counter UAS interceptor concept. We brought in other other teammates to to uh, design the interceptor and shared with the customer uh, over time uh, and the PEO missiles in space uh, at the time uh, uh, Brigadier General Oli Knudsen 
and uh, our our idea of a counter U.S. interceptor. So as that progressed, the, and the and the counter ram mission became real hot again, we transferred and and started building, looking at other types of interceptors for the ram mission. Um, as I progressed, I became the uh, PM for the Extended Area Protection and Survivability Program called EAPS. It was a primarily to defeat RAM uh, threats, uh, but we were exploring also the counter-U.S. world. So we take that, that capability of looking at the, uh, a system solution, working with our integrated uh, forward area air defense uh, command and control system for the interceptors to, to counter these uh, U.S. and RAM th threats. And then I progressed from there to high energy lasers uh, with a focus of counter UAS. Uh, Northrop Grumman was uh, developed a, a DE uh, maneuver short range air defense um, a laser weapon system and integrated onto a striker. Uh, it was a 50 kilowatt laser system. Again, a lot of those threat sets were the counter UAS or the UAS threats. And then that was in around 2017, 2018. And in 2018, I really got in depth into the, the whole system assistance approach, even more so uh, as, I, I, as I picked up responsibilities in uh, our forward area air defense command and control with a focus on the counter US capabilities. And, and today, uh, my my title is a senior manager of counter UAS strategy. So we go from interceptors to more complex interceptors to high energy lasers, trying to solve these uh, very complex problems of UAS, small, slow, low flying uh, to uh, faster flying. And and now, as we see today in, in real world, uh, we're seeing from the small to medium size and even larger size uh being able to have having to uh fight that battle and defend uh both us and uh allies and partner nations uh against these threats right right certainly is an interesting kind of career path to this point um and you know as a follow-up to that uh, i know you participated in our recent uh, you know sae media groups counter uas event in december um, looking back at 2023 and your presentation at our event, can you discuss how the technology and operation of drones is evolving in the way they're being used on the battlefield today and how that is driving the need for the U.S. and its allies to adopt new and evolving counter UAS technologies? So, so uh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, we're seeing real world today. I mean, the, 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 the environment in, in unfortunately in Ukraine in the Gaza area, we're seeing a UAS is used in multiple ways uh, against uh, our forces. You know, we see individual threats coming in uh, as a as a uh, come in for uh, I'll call it like reconnaissance and in uh, looking at uh, positions of of, of forces. Uh, as it evolved, we start seeing them, of course, arming them, and 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 they became more complex in how you arm them, and then now you're seeing um, you know coordinated attacks and 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 what we're often to refer to as swarming attacks. So 
we're seeing that progressive capabilities in how not only how they're being used from reconnaissance to weaponize to coordinated attacks to swarms. We also see the techno their technology evolving. Uh, initially, you know, most like home hobbyist drones, there's EW systems that can, you know, jam or uh, put out a an area where the UAS, uh, UAVs and drones will will not penetrate. It will be a protected barrier per se. Um, as as they evolve, you know, the EW systems have had to evolve too as new types of drones and UAVs have been um, been showing up in in real world. So as the complexity starts coming up uh, of now the drones to try to counter what uh, what forces are doing to protect their uh, protect areas of whether it's countries or population or or uh, war fighters on the ground. And that complexity now has gotten to the point where they are uh, um, they are not using the traditional drones with a, with an operator uplinking. Um, you know, we're seeing much more complex systems that are actually very low cost too uh, to provide what we call inertial guidance, where they know about the proximity of where they want to these um, UAVs and drones to penetrate and land and and do damage uh, to to different areas. The EW systems uh, aren't able to keep up with that type of evolving technology, and they're, if they're not emitting any signals, the EW system has a hard time defeating it. So now you're seeing um, how do you counter it with beyond the um, non-kinetic um, type, and now you start adding kinetic defense. You know, we talked about the missiles. The, you have, you're seeing missiles uh, being used real world today against drones. They work great. They are expensive. Even low cost ones are considerably expensive when you're going up against, you know, drones that are well under $10,000 and armed uh, these days um, with, with, with potential to do damage. Uh, so, so we're seeing those kinetic type capabilities uh, grow. And so now, what is industry doing um, and what is the government doing? We're getting our heads together, trying to, okay, how do we defeat this? How do we um, not get overwhelmed with, with the threats coming in, with, you know, with the um, with swarm type t waves coming in? Uh, so we start adding types of, of other capabilities, uh, gun base, you, you know, your high energy lasers are being looked at, high power microwaves are being looked at to try to keep up with the ever evolving threats. Now, from my perspective, uh, you know, we we are very focused in the command and control with our forward area air defense command and control focused on the counter U.S. mission. You know, FAD's kind of unique here because we do short range air defense. We do counter rockets, artillery, uh, mortar, you know, command and control. And we also do counter uh, uncrewed aerial systems, command and control. It's it's FAD is one software that simultaneously does all missions because counter U.S. is a, really a subset of the traditional short-range air defense mission there. So as we started re-looking at the problem, um, we, we evolved FAD with an advanced battle management system and started adding intelligent al algorithms 
uh, for enhanced situational awareness for users on how these threats are coming in, how are we going to counter them, letting the software take the load off uh, of the operators and, and help them make decisions. What is the most lethal threat coming at you and, and what systems you have that you can command to engage them? And uh, so a lot of algorithm developments going on these days as we see what's going on real world. And then uh, from the other point of view, how do you detect them? So there's a lot of new technologies coming out. Um, uh, Ford Air, Air Defense C2 uh, or FAD C2. Um, we, we've worked with uh, acoustic sensors. We work with electronic warfare, ESM sensors. We work with the you know, radar systems. We work with EOIR and we pull in all that information out there to try to say there is something there hidden and we can now we can throw out a, an effect to mitigate that that incoming threat. And then on the bigger part of Northrop Grumman, part of the uh, extended short range air defense field as a search hard, uh, we are uh, doing a lot of studies invested uh, with our Bushmaster uh, cannon technology and our advanced ammunition uh, technology and what we call cannon-based air defense. And it's, it's we're developing advanced ammunition at different calibers to defeat UAS threats, among other threats out there. Uh, and we, and, we're, and all, all again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, missiles are expensive and trying to get it down to a, a smart munition that can be mass produced, fired from a gun over and over and over, and looking at not shooting a thousand rounds in the air to intercept, but going down to looking at a one, one round per kill. So we're doing a lot of focus on that. And then of course, uh, our advanced lasers, uh, our, our advanced laser team is, is working and looking at improving that technology so we can take up, take in account of massive th um, threats coming in like a swarm, working with uh, the C2 system and having FAT C2 look at lasers, look at guns, look at um, EW, look at you know uh, drone on drone, look at drone capture. And we do all that real time to try to create a layered shield to protect uh, you know population, uh, military structures, civilian structures, and war fighters. That's some interesting insight on on what uh, you know Northrop and the kind of broader interest industry has going on. And you know, uh, as I had mentioned earlier, you participated in our counter UAS event back in December. Uh, and one of the technologies that was mentioned throughout the presentations uh, during that event was the use of directed energy and countermeasures. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? What type of counter UAS directed energy technologies are available on the market today, and how can they be an advantage to the military and its allies in countering the threat of drone swarms and attacks? That, that's, that's a real good question. Yes, we did it, it, a lot of uh, industry and government it, it talked about the high energy area uh, lasers and uh, in you know with our C2 system we we look at uh, all effectors across the scope um, so we're and we work with um, all industry uh, since we're kind of agnostics as sensors and effectors so we talk a lot with uh, different companies that have uh, whether uh, high energy, lasers or high power microwaves which are the two technologies that are really evolving today 
Um, the high energy laser comes in a couple different things. You got the, the laser dazzlers to try to blind optics and sensors. You have high energy lasers with the ability to actually disable or destroy a UAS threat physically. And then you have high power microwave that, you know, it, 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 it's, it's looking at the incoming and, and trying to actually put enough energy on to the electronics to, to destroy them and defeat them. Uh, so, so those are the, those are the, I see it as the, the evolving technologies. Is any, any of these technologies seriously ready for the battlefield? Um, they are have been deployed. We've deployed with high energy lasers um, with different, with different, uh, whether it was a Marine Corps um, and the army. Yeah or the Air Force, they are they are definitely an evolving technology, but there is no one silver bullet out there. So when you look at directed energy capabilities, then you're still gonna have to layer it with, with different types of effectors from electronic warfare all the way up uh, to guns, all the way and going on beyond to, to missile-based or, or drone-on-drone type systems. So, um, you know, investing in directed energy is going to increase. Uh, the, there's there's advantages of of them, and there's disadvantages. Advantages are definitely, you know, uh, you're you're not your logistics trail is very different. You're not you're not bringing ammo. You're not bringing missiles. You're not having to have bring them up from the rear to refill launchers and guns. Um, you know, you have a, you have a constant energy source as long as you're you have power, whether it's a, a external, internal type generator system, you have constant power that you're able to uh, do engagements. And and um, and really, right now, the disadvantage is 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 maturity. It's really maturity, sustainment, and maintainability. Right now, those things are always. The, the tail end of technology. You bring in new technology, whether it's guns, missiles, uh, capture systems, whatever. You know, you're you're teething, you're you're learning as teething as I go into the field. They will evolve. They will become maintainable and sustainable, and they will be a eventually be a, a part of the 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 force deployed forces. Uh, um, once again, mixed with other types of systems um to to be able to def, uh defend um both uh you know ourselves and allies and partner nations look out for the second half of this interview in the next episode of the aerospace and defense technology podcast where we'll talk more with michael o'hara of northrop grumman about the future of counter u.s technology thanks for listening and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast so you can get new episodes as soon as they are published you'll also find new episodes published on techbriefs.com slash podcasts